Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Greetings, comrades, and welcome to the Eastern Border. After the last episode, I got a lot of requests to elaborate on the beliefs of, um, of Russian pro-war people, including the economical ones, since, well, a lot of you are libertarians. No, seriously, I mean, uh, for unknown reasons, the huge amount, about 30% of this podcast listener audience, are voting independent or libertarian in United States elections. I mean, it makes sense, you know, be a bit more free-thinking or something, even if you disagree with them. Weird people I have here, but hey... I can understand and relate. I mean, I've been on uh, Thomas Wood's show once. That was years ago. I I hope he'll have me back again one day. And hey, if you listen to that, maybe you can poke him a bit. But um, but yeah, I was I was told to elaborate on the economical positions that Russia holds, besides the whole you know we hate gay people situation, which is going on there. And and I will, I decided to go on with this because, well, currently on the front lines, Russia has taken a pause. Ukraine hasn't, because as as a Ukrainian analyst told on his recent interview on YouTube, well, we haven't gotten the notation that there's an operational pause, so they continue using United States HIMARS and 777s, three axes as they're called, and French Caesar systems, to basically blast off any and all artillery ammunition stockpiles Russia has. Interesting thing is that, well, I still listen to Perun, even though he hasn't responded to my mails, which is a bit confusing, but okay. <laughs> I mean, I guess that guy's a lot busy, but, um, you know, every time we speak about the coverage of artillery fire, you have to say that Ukrainians are doing a lot with their limited supplies of both vehicles and ammunition. And every time someone with more pro-Russian audience talks about the Russian artillery, which isn't as accurate, and they mention the amounts that um, that, that artillery fires, well, you know, Russians tend to go in and say, oh, well, we're firing x many times more rounds. And some points they're saying that Russians fire about 60,000 rounds per day to stop the Ukrainians. And they sort of mentioned this like this would be a good this would be a good thing. I was scared of this too, but um, then Perun mentioned in his last episode uh, one of the things that really matters to me and that I also researched a bit in detail. You see, artillery needs to change their barrels. If you fire sixty thousand rounds, 
to reach your tactical and strategical goals, then it's much worse than fighting 3,000 rounds. Why? Because, well, if your artillery stockpiles are being blasted away by high-precision, high-Mars rockets, and all of the pro-Putin, pro-Kremlin internet is now, like, on fire, you wouldn't expect the things that they post. They state that they are in, uh, at war with the United States already, that this has turned into a proxy war between NATO and Russia, and all sorts of things. And I'll get to the psychological reasons uh, behind that shortly. Don't worry about it. But um, the most important part is that, well, if you have limited supplies of ammo and each shot that you fire from your artillery basically degrades your your gun, because that's how artillery works. It's it's not like a standard gun. You have to clean your gun, and I've, I've done that a couple of times. And, um, and, you know, firing your gun actually makes it a bit worse. It, it degrades it because there's literally an explosion going inside that gun. And, you know, artillery is produced with a um, with certain amount of fire, firing rate. You know, certain amount of rounds that you need to fire before you need to change the, the gun itself. Well, you have to fix it. You have to change the whole, you know, huge pipe, the cannon part, and all that stuff. And um, if Russians keep firing in la- large quantities of ammunition without huge successes and they just basically degrade their own capabilities because currently it does not seem that they can reproduce the whole you know quality of replacement parts that alone is interesting and i didn't know this and there's another systemic problem with russia see recently i found out that um apparently you know I I mentioned this recently that russia had created their own replacement for uh, mcdonald's and and uh, it's called the uh, Tochka or tasty period. And uh, of course, everyone on Twitter, follow me on Twitter. I want to reach twenty thousand followers. Currently, I have sixteen point eight thousand. So uh, I guess a thousand. I guess a couple of thousand won't, won't hurt more. But um, a lot of people already made period jokes, which I find find kind of ironic since Russia doesn't produce any hygienic products for women and they have a massive crisis. But um, yeah, apparently you now, you know, the service has deteriorated to such a point that people have to wait in line for about three hours to get their meal. And more importantly, due to the lack of, as they released in their press statement recently, due to the lack of potatoes because of the disruptions of logistics chains, you no longer will be able to buy fries in their McDonald's replacement. So, not even a month after their so-called glorious replacement being opened, you can't buy fries there, you have to wait in huge lines, which defeats the purpose of fast food. And as a follower on Twitter told me, this just denotes their incapability of actually reproducing complex industrial chains. If they can't go through all the process of properly functioning and producing the fries with flash freeze and all this stuff, then uh, what do you expect with, you know, details such as these very, you know, artillery cannon pieces and everything, spare parts of much more important and fragile things than French fries? This is something to think about. But yeah, potato shortage due to, due to logistics problems. And here I have to give hi to Patrick. Hi, Patrick. Patrick's my... Um, Texan slash German friend who lives in Netherlands who broke my arm, which is funny. But uh, still, yeah, he, he works in logistics and he has explained to me exactly how traveling the last mile works and how everything works out. And 
And this just shows that even if there are potatoes in Russia, they can't be delivered because complex, complex logistical supplies is not what Russia is known for, as we have known in the early, since the early months of this war. So there's that. And about the gay part, before I get to the whole main event of this. Basically, yesterday, when we had a pause in the episodes, Russia moved closer to banning all so-called gay propaganda. See, previously, it was illegal in Russia to spread any information about, you know, homosexuals or anything not considered normal to children. It was illegal to show anything gay related to minors, basically. But right now, the State Duma's Information Police Committee, because they have, uh, obviously, an Information Police Committee, has endorsed a total ban on all, as they call it, promotion of non-traditional relationships, which would effectively make it illegal to promote LGBT rights or publicly display any form of non-traditional affection, regardless of the intended audience's age. Committee head Alexander Kinstein says legislation could come before lawmakers as soon as this fall. The ban would apply to, quote, offline statements as well as content published online, in the mass media, on social media, and in the stream entertainment. And, you know, just to recap, since 2013, Russia has banned so-called gay propaganda in the presence of minors. The maximum penalty is 15 days in jail or monetary fine, but that's still a lot. And if you think about it, how they enforce well, their current laws of censorship. Now, you know, it gets kind of kind of scary because we have another another two news from Russia. First of all, a court of Nizhny Novgorod has fined a local activist 30,000 rubles, which is basically a month's salary in that city, which is about $485, or about 450 euros, for writing the term special military operation inside quotation marks. Yes, he didn't even call war war, he just called it special military operation as the Russian censorship asks you to, but he used quotation marks when referring to it on social media. And, uh, yeah, Ayakse Pudnebisny, a correspondent there, says the court ruled against him on the basis that his use of quotation marks was deemed ironic and derogatory. In the offending internet post, the the kind of the guy who has to pay this, complains that the daily cost of Russia's special operation, which he put in quotes, in Ukraine, is enough money to supply centralized hot water to all the homes in Nizhny Novgorod. Yeah, you know, uh, when, when you guys in the West complain about your government not taking care of you enough, um, apparently that doesn't matter. What matters is if you use quotes correctly. Now, apply this to my previous, you know, statement here about the now totally illegal even mentioning of, of gay people and... Let's talk about who's the fascist government here. I still am surprised that people call Ukrainians Nazis after all this situation, since, well, obviously we have literal Nazi laws being applied to Russian citizens inside Russia, and then someone complains that, oh no, in Ukraine, now all schools will have to operate in Ukrainian, and that's Nazi. Well, in Russia you get fined a lot of money by Russian standards for using fucking air quotes. What's Nazi there? You know, who's the real Nazi? And then we have more, more shutdowns in Russia of freedom of press. Prosecutors have petitioned the Moscow City Court to dissolve the Journalists and Media Workers Union, which represents roughly 600 independent reporters in 40 regions across Russia. On July the 4th, the court suspended the union's operations because of misdemeanor charges, allege alleging that the organization is responsible for discrediting Russia's armed forces. In May, prosecutors 
audited the journalist's union, demanding financial statements and other documents. The authorities never actually shared the audit's results. So, you know, we're going more amazing. It's 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 a total dystopia. It's ladies and gentlemen, this is just crazy, comrades. Uh, I mean, there is no hope for the for the country Russia. Also, the crime's gonna go up since well, if you've listened to my previous episodes, it's gonna be just like in the nineties. There is no hope. Like nothing's gonna change that. I mean, for those people who call for a quick end of the war, Ukraine seized territory and all that stuff. That's not going to change how Russia works internally. It's a fascist government. Obviously. I mean, here you have evidence of this situation. Do you think they'll change? Do you think they'll actually manage some, manage everything better? And the worst part is, and here I get to the part that I promised you at the beginning of this episode, I pushed through, and this caused physical pain to me because I thought I was immune to cringe, but apparently I'm not. The, the whole perspective of this. You see, the guys who are pro-war, they view all the governments in the world as if they were Putin's governments. And they also make fun of wealthy people. Not just, you know, super ultra-rich, which certainly is a problem if you look at income inequality, but, uh, like, you know, if you own a small business, then you're already hated. Absolutely, because, for one, they only look at the world in terms of these global political elites who always cheat and lie, and they don't understand, they don't even comprehend that in the West we have some sort of democracy. And they don't even look at economical side as, as much. A lot of their arguments come from the fact that, well, I had to choose between Putin who steals and the West where, where gay people have rights and it's a people's-oriented country and I understood the West was way worse. Again, because these are the people who believe that, you know, everyone's living as, as bad as they do. Every country has issues with potato fries in their McDonald's, obviously. No country can do logistics. They cannot even fathom the idea of things running properly. They cannot fathom the idea that you can come to a deal. Making your own business without state involvement is wrong. Libertarianism, as much as you might agree or disagree to that philosophical position, and a lot of you agree with it, and a lot of you will bash me for you know saying this, but it's a valid position. I mean, I don't like Ayn Rand. I think she was a bit of a douchebag, but, uh, you know, people who followed that school of thought, they make some valid points about, you know, economy and especially about intervention. And if you're worried about foreign intervention, then, hey, libertarians are, you know, they hold, they hold their opinions and, uh, you know, it's worthwhile to involve them into dialogue, at least, if even if you disagree with them. I mean, hey, they're not dangerous at the very least, so... These guys hate all this position of liberties. I mean, if it, they truly believe that if it's not state control, if, if state is not involved in your personal business, and I can speak about this currently because at this point I'm officially a small business owner due to how Latvia decided to regulate podcasting, so now I had to make a business, and yeah, well, uh, I suppose nice time to tell you. Welcome to the Eastern Border, brought to you by the Eastern Border Media. So, you know, you guys in America mostly view small businesses and small and medium businesses as the backbone of democracy. Meanwhile, in Russia, pro-war people view them as the source of all evil. They call the German people the bougies, the burgers. And so they view everyone else. It's not normal for a person to have business interests. It's not normal, according to them, for a person to think about their own welfare. It's not normal if you're not poor. 
poor is the new normal, and it's okay. It's better to be poor rather than having choices. It's not just about gay rights. It's not just about, you know, sexuals thing, although it's a major part with which they demonize the West. However, they still want to destroy small and medium businesses because private industries, comrade, no place for you. Government takes care of business. Government takes care of you. Ideally, that is. But, uh, yeah, one, one sort of ice cream only. And they truly believe that, that everyone in the West, because they totally ignore these small and medium businesses, they just think that everyone who owns a small or medium business is in cahoots with the government all the time, and their attitude towards this whole system is kind of like, um, like this Soviet-era caricature of the rich, fat cats who are just trying to exploit everyone. Because a lot of them have a lot of sympathies for the Soviet era, like I mentioned in the last episode with this whole post-Soviet thinking. And it's a bit insane, the routes they go, and they're utterly stupid about it. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I mean, they not only hate people having rights in any way or form, they also hate, you know, businesses. They just don't think about it. They they kind of refuse to take responsibility for their own actions. And they kind of twist their image so far that what really hurt me a lot was how they said that, oh, Ukraine wants this war, and if we hadn't attacked, Ukraine totally would have attacked against us, because it is the evil Banderovti who won this war. That's why we invaded. And I know I'm listening to this, and it physically hurts me, and I need to translate this to English to you guys, and, and I, I sometimes can't. I had to pull out my good whiskey for this. You know, and, and I'm not even sorry here, because... Sometimes when I listen to this, I have this strong urge to just clench my hand into a fist and punch some noses in. Since I, I, can't, I can't really, you know, I, I've had enough mentally. I've had enough mentally from, from these idiots and I, I'm just, you know, growing more jaded. Because when I try to make sense and try to build a coherent narrative about how and why they hate these, these private enterprises and everything... I can't really give you another explanation that they're stuck in archaic Soviet mentality because what they're saying and their arguments make no sense and they're non-sequitur. They pull out things out of everything and they even pulled out this whole idea that now the evil Finns are trying to take more territory from us. And they sort of just ignore the fact that they've taken Karelia away from Finland, which is lawfully theirs. They just brush over all the mistakes, they delve into whataboutism, and they also hate tankies and every Western socialist because for them, if you're a socialist and you're listening to this, hate Russian socialists hate your guts. Like, at all. They believe that you're not a real socialist anyways. So that's also a weird thing. I mean, it makes no sense. They truly believe this and uh, 
Sadly, they can't really be saved. But I have an interesting story for you as well. Another one, because, you know, I, I want to end this on a weird note to show that, no, seriously, they are this dumb. And this is from Medusa, my colleagues here. See, this is about the Libertarian Party of Russia. In a weird, weird sense. You see, on May 27, 2021, the Moscow authorities showed up at the apartment where 19-year-old Libertarian Party member Vsevolodoshipov lived with his mother. After searching the premises, they arrested Osipov for blocking the roads at a January 31st rally in support of opposition politician Alexei Navalny. At the police station, one officer looked familiar to Osipov. He soon realized the man had infiltrated the Libertarian Party and protested alongside him in January as an undercover agent, and that the man now wanted him to do the same thing. See, this is the thing. In 2019, when law student Ivan Chiranov invited his classmate Vsevolod Osipov to join Russia's Libertarian Party, Osipov was thrilled. He's been, he'd been a fan of the new party since his school days. By his own admission, Osipov didn't manage to do much with the party when he first got involved. Quote, I just wanted to get my membership and went on to meetings, he said. But a rally in support of jailed opposition politician Alexei Navalny on January 31st, 2021 was supposed to change things. He was even given a job to do. We, the party members, divided into groups and I was put in charge of several people to keep track of, to make sure nobody wandered off. He noticed one of his group members, a man named Roman Korch, was strangely quiet. He just stood there and looked around, Osipov told my friends in Medusa. Soon, Korch was arrested and taken away. After the rally, the Libertarian Party chairman Yaroslav Konyvy and his fellow party leaders ran Korch's number through a telegram bot called Eye of God, which can check a person's contact information against information from a number of large data leaks. Roman Korch turned out to be Roman Podobonov, an agent from Russia's Center of Combating Extremism. Extremism being any sort of liberalism, freedom of thought, freedom of economy, you know, all the stuff that actually matters, or so-called Center E. Konyev stated that, quote, he made the same rookie mistakes officers always make. He was saved in people's phones as Roman CPE, Roman Center E, and so on. Podoborno was promptly kicked out of the party. Several months later, the authorities showed up at the homes of Libertarian Party members in circles throughout Russia. And then, you know, Osipov was arrested. Interrogation process happened. I woke up at the 6 in the morning, he said to Medusa, recounting the events of May 27th. Mom opened the door and a horde of police officers came in. They gave me the search order, sat me down in the kitchen, and told me to read it. The police took his phone and his hard drive. After searching the apartment, they brought him to the Moscow Police Main Investigation Department. The investigators wanted to know when and why Osipov had joined the Libertarian Party and what he had done in the party. When Roman Podobronov appeared in the office, though, the questions became more specific and more aggressive. Did I block the roads? Did I run into riot police? Did I call for, for illegal activity? Then the officers played a short video clip that showed Osipov and other LPR members dividing into groups about an hour before the January 31st protest rally. Osipov is certain that Roman Podobronov used the hidden camera to take the footage. When Osipov left the investigator's office to smoke a cigarette, Podobronov followed him. You're a, me you're a decent guy. Let's meet up and talk in a few days, he told Osipov. That's when I realized I was being recruited, Osipov told Medusa. In the days that followed, a terrified Osipov debated telling his fellow party members about the offer. Meanwhile, Ivan Chinarov told my friends in Medusa the other libertarians noticed he was acting suspicious. 
Roman Podobornov told one of the other libertarians interrogated by the police that Osipov had already told them everything. And there was one point where our guys saw Osipov unlock his phone and show it to the police at the station, said Chinarov. Chinarov also recalled asking Osipov whether he had pleaded the 51st article of the Russian Constitution, which is the right to remain silent, the fifth in the United States standards. Quote, I didn't say anything about myself, Osipov told him. That wording, about was, was, that wording was extremely strange, Chinarov said. Because of his odd behavior, when a number of Libertarian Party members decided to leave Russia, Osipov wasn't invited. On June 8th, Osipov met with Roman Podobronov for the first time since his arrest. They met at a coffee shop and Podobronov brought company, an FSB colonel named Andrei. The officers told me they also opposed the regime, but that they just wanted to eliminate the extremist elements, Osipov said. They said there were decent guys who were joining United Russia and who were changing the system from within. They said it would be a collaboration. Osipov claims he didn't believe them, but he did ask for three days to think about the offer. He wanted to talk to his fellow party members about what had happened, but he was afraid to get in touch with them by phone. On June 11th, Osipov met with Podobronov and Andrei from the FSB once again. I said, no guys, I won't do it, just put me in jail. But they started going through all the downsides of my decision. They started talking about how they find someone from immigration who would definitely agree to cooperate. And that convinced Osipov. He says, quote, I thought it's better for all the libertarians to know that I'm an agent than for a real agent to infiltrate them, said Osipov. I decided to make the sacrifice, he said. I wanted to save my own skin, avoid setting anybody up, and at the same time beat the police in their own game. Osipov signed an agreement to cooperate with the FSB right there in the coffee shop. Osipov's first job was to collect information on Roman Yuleman, the 27-year-old founder of a political movement called Society Future. Podobornov wanted Osipov to get a look at the inner workings of Yuleman's state Duma campaign and figure out whether he was a radical politician or not. Though Osipov was supported, had supported Yuleman's movement privately, he knew that lying to protect the campaign would have dire consequences when he inevitably got caught. It was me or him, he told Medusa. Signing up to volunteer was a breeze, and he soon began working. I gathered signatures, among other things, Osipov told Medusa. He said he planned to chat with Yuneman under the guise of an interview, but it didn't work out. In late June, Podobornov sent Osipov the, for- the floor plan of the building where Yuneman's team was based, asking him to mark the most interesting areas. According to Osipov, the Center E employees wanted to install listening devices. Osipov suggested the conference room and the administration area. The areas where Yuneman himself didn't hang out, he said. He doesn't know whether the officers ended up installing the bugs. According to Osipov, he worked on Yuneman for about a month and a half. I realized it was a test of my loyalty to them. It's a classic move in spy games. The first task is easy, doesn't particularly affect the officer's work, and it's something they could do themselves. By early August, they had a new job for him. This one would be in Georgia, where most of the other LPR members, Libertarian Party members, had gone. Osipov wasn't given specific instructions until a week before his flight out of Russia. Don't ask questions, just figure out things through conversations and try to cozy up to libertarian chairman Yaroslav Konvey and Free Russia Foundation project manager Anton Michalchuk, he said, summarizing his mission. That's when he decided to go for it. He bought a burner SIM card at a metro station, created a new Telegram account and asked Ivan Chinarov to get in touch with him through a mutual acquaintance. When Chinarov learned that Osipo was working for Center E, he wasn't surprised. Actually, I felt better because it meant he wasn't just a rat who was, wasn't going to confess, said Chinarov. He suggested Osipov come to Armenia, where he was living, before going to Georgia. 
To justify the odd flight path to the authorities, Osipov told them that he had joined a secret telegram chat with Libertarian Party leader Yaroslav Convey, and that Convey had told him to take that route. That was probably the scariest part of the whole recruitment, Osipov told Medusa. But the authorities bought it. They gave him two thousand. They gave him two hundred fourteen thousand rubles, about three and a half thousand dollars, for expenses. He lost. He later asked for more and was given another three hundred thousand rubles, and instructed him to return six weeks. Six weeks later, when they would give him a bigger task. On October twenty seventh, Osipov flew, flew to Yerevan. Several several days later, he flew to Tbilisi. He stayed in touch with the authorities, telling him how he was becoming friendly with the people that interested them in gaining their trust. Even Chinarov, the Libertarian Party leader, stated, quote, he, kept, he kept us surprised of all the, of the FSB and Sentry conversations, and it was a useful partnership. For example, it allowed us to warn the other guys in Russia about raids on their homes, not so they could leave their homes, but so they could hide all of their equipment. Unlike Chinarov, Libertarian Party leader Yaroslav Conway was skeptical of Osipov, even after Osipov explained himself. How would an agent act if he thought he had been compromised, he would say. They recruited me, but now I want to redeem myself, but he would continue to leak information, said Conway. Osipov stopped responding to Podobornov and Andrei after Russia launched the war in Ukraine on February 24th. If I thought I wasn't a great person before, now I just felt like a scumbag, he told Medusa. In early March, he said he tried to join the International Legion of Ukraine's Territorial Defense Force, but was rejected because of his Russian citizenship. He told Medusa that he hid the phone he was using to communicate with Center E in a crowded public space and has begun using a new one. A month ago, when he last checked the old phone, Roman Podoborno was still trying to get in touch with him. Osipov's mother is still in Russia. Every day I wake up with the thought that they've come to search mom's house, he admitted. I've told her, Mom, don't you think you should move to Georgia? No, she says. I've explained to her what the future might hold. But she said, I can't. If that's what happens, that's what happens. So, you know, there's something for you to think about. About what's freedom and what really isn't. If all this seems surreal, well, that's because it is. At any rate, that's it for today. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please consider becoming a patron of our show at patreon.com slash border, or just go to our homepage theeasternborder.lv and click the donate button there or you can also join Patreon from there and if you can listen to these episodes ad-free from that side as well. And, you know, on YouTube also, probably. Probably, I'm not sure about that, but possibly you can. YouTube's not giving me any money because everything's demonetized though, but we're trying to save up on things and, you know, not spend a lot of cash because you guys are literally paying our bills and helping me push through through all these hard times and everything. So thank you for everyone who's donated anything and thanks to all Patreon subscribers. I try not to let you down and uh, you really matter. You really matter to me and you really make me feel like I'm doing something right. Please, please, if you can, do support the show. And of course, donate to Ukrainian charities. ComebackLive.ua is my favorite one. And, uh, well, that's all for today. And remember, happiness is mandatory. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.